welcome to Sellersburg United Methodist Church podcast, where we bring our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world to you, wherever you are. We continue in our identity series, and we're on our fourth of five weeks. And if you haven't been here, what we're doing is we're focusing on who we are. Who are we as the church? What's it mean? What's our identity? We come here on Sundays. We say lots of great things. We, we believe lots of great things. We've seen our lives go in various directions and, and go through ups and downs. And collectively, though, if someone were to say, who's the church? You might have a good pat Sunday school answer. The body of Christ. Well, to somebody who doesn't go to church, what's that mean? And we may kind of struggle well, we might get lots of different answers. So we're working through five. They're not the end-all, be-all, but they're five ways for us to process and think about our identity. And so week one, we talked about that we are sacred. Sacred means we're designated for a special purpose. Our purpose, we're created in God's image. We are to create, as God did, to see the goodness in creation, as God does, and then to participate in the flourishing of everything in and on this earth, as God does. Week two is we are holy. This idea of holiness used to be separation, but with Jesus it changed. It became an invitation into a new way of life. And so we devote ourselves to work in partnership with the Holy Spirit to lead us to a new nature, who we are at the core of our nature. It's like taking off dirty laundry and leaving it behind and we're putting on the new. It takes work, it takes time, but we have God's help. We are called, was last week, that we are moving forward as great as the past has been and as much as we've struggled and how much we can reflect upon it with pride, we are moving forward and we fix our eyes on what lie ahead. And that is an endless growing relationship with God and a call into service. And so today it's we are doers, doers. We put faith and love into action is the idea. So we're going to read from James, but I want to start with a story. My wonderful son, Noah, he's working toward his driver's license, which is an adventure for all. And some of us have our license, and some of us are looking forward to the day when we get our license. We're eager for that day to come. My process was kind of interesting. I was a freshman in high school. I took driver's ed. So we read books and had tests and quizzes, and I got to learn all the rules of the road, know the the signs and the symbols. But they didn't give me my license when I passed the test. I guess I expected that, but I was still disappointed. And then the summer between my freshman and sophomore year, I took driver's education in a car. So a teacher came and picked me and some of my classmates up, and we spent two weeks driving and making all sorts of mistakes and uh, learning all sorts of ways to put that information into practice. One memory stands out because I had Mr. Shaver, uh, kind of a quiet guy, but we were in one of our final days. I was behind the wheel driving the streets of Indianapolis, very similar to Louisville, fun, right, for a new driver, and he all of a sudden says, turn here, left, now. There wasn't a street, but I turned into this alley that was felt about as wide as this aisle, driving the car down, and inches between the mirrors on either side, and as we're creeping through, and my heart rate's raising a little bit, he says, I just wanted you all to experience what it's like to be mugged. Keep going. So he's funny like that, but I could hear my heartbeat. I think everyone in the back seat could, could also hear it. They were thankful that they weren't in, in the driver's seat. 
my peers uh, in this class, we, we completed this thing, and then they still didn't give me my license. I got a permit. So then the permit. Then I spent time with my mom and dad, my brother, learning and continuing to grow until finally on May 15, 1996, I got my license. It was a good day. Now, I didn't study in the class all the books and then just take time away, right? And then eventually maybe try to take the test. You know, I went right from that to putting it into practice. And then I put this practice into learning to then not having the instructor, but can taking the next step, seeing if I could apply what I'd learned and actually do it. And then finally I got the license. So that whole thing, uh, it made me ready. I'm still learning to drive. Anybody with me? I'm still learning patience. Anybody with me on that? Yeah. Our identity as a people of faith in Jesus Christ, as United Methodists, we claim our, our mission statement is we make disciples for Jesus Christ, of Jesus Christ, for the transformation of the world. We're makers. We're doers. James is who we're going to hear from today. He's an author, and he writes, he says in the opening statement, to the Christians outside of the land of Israel. He says it in another way, but that's who he's talking about, which includes us. Our passage is an instruction about the difference between hearing and learning and putting it into practice. So I want you to listen for the metaphor he uses. We'll hear that passage, talk about the metaphor, and talk about what that means for us. So let's listen to James. James 1, 19 through 27. Know this, my dear brothers and sisters. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to grow angry. This is because an angry person doesn't produce God's righteousness. Therefore, with humility, set aside all moral filth and the growth of wickedness, and welcome the word planted deep inside you, the very word that is able to save you. You must be doers of the word, and not only hearers who mislead themselves. Those who hear but don't do the word are like those who look at their faces in a mirror. They look at themselves, walk away, and immediately forget what they were like. But there are those who study the perfect law, the law of freedom, and continue to do it. They don't listen and then forget but they put it into practice in their lives. They will be blessed in whatever they do. If those who claim devotion to God don't control what they say, they mislead themselves. Their devotion is worthless. True devotion, the kind that is pure and faultless before God the Father, is this, to care for orphans and widows in their difficulties and to keep the world from contaminating us. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, God. to God. Thanks be to God indeed. So we hear some of our past week's messages in here, this identity, that taking off the old, putting on the new, and, and doing. We welcome the word, James says. Think about that word. You don't just hear it, you welcome it. If you're expecting guests, they can just arrive or you can welcome them. You can prepare the house and be ready to greet them and welcome them in. It's, it's, it's action. And so Paul is, or Paul, James is saying we must welcome the word, but not just hear it, do it. Be doers. And so he uses this strange metaphor, which frankly doesn't make sense to us. 
We know the idea of mirrors and reflections, but understand this. If you close your eyes right now, you could picture yourself, yes? You could probably picture yourself with pretty good detail. I mean, we have a hard time forgetting what we look like because we look at ourselves all the time. How many of you looked at yourself more than 10 times already this morning? You got to get ready, right? In James's day, there weren't many mirrors. I mean, you'd be lucky if you came across one. There weren't photographs. There wasn't social media. Somehow they survived. People in James' day didn't practice their smiles or saying cheese, if you can imagine a life without that. People may not know what they actually look like. Can you even fathom not knowing what you look like? Now, maybe they caught a glimpse of themselves in standing water, but how often have you done that? Maybe if they were lucky, they got to look into a mirror once or twice. But if you had no idea what you looked like, you looked in a mirror, and then you walked away, how much time before you forget? And if you forget, then looking in the mirror was kind of useless to you. It was useful in the moment, but it quickly becomes useless. And so without any familiarity, you forget, and it gains you nothing. So most of us, like I said, we know what we look like. We know. And so it's similar to someone who studies the Scripture, studies the law, the perfect law, the law of freedom, James says, and does it. So if you're doing it, if you're studying it and doing it, it's like someone who continually knows what they look like, somehow tied to our identity. We struggle with this in our day because we struggle with even understanding law and freedom. We place them on opposite sides of the room, don't we? If you have more freedom, you have less laws. That's how we talk about it. James talks about it as the law of freedom. This is kind of strange to our culture. Lots of people spend a lot of time fighting to get rid of laws for the sake of freedom. Wouldn't really understand what James is talking about. So let's go back to the road and driving again. First thing we did in class was learn the laws, right? It's a good thing. Before I was allowed to drive, I had to learn the law. I'm in awe of the laws every time I drive. And the reason is all of you passed somebody going the opposite way this morning at a decent enough speed that if somebody didn't obey the law, it could have been a catastrophic moment. And we have these moments all the time. We pass people we trust to follow the law, which is really quite amazing, isn't it? We can't disagree about much, but somehow we survive. <laughs> we survive potential catastrophes every day on the road. Now, I don't really ever worry about an accident, even though I'm in awe of the law. I'm cautious, but I'm not fearful. I trust that people will follow the law because it's the law that actually gives us the freedom to drive. If we didn't have the law, it would be even more absolute insanity than it already is. Amen? If people did what they wanted, if they went whatever speed they wanted, if they drove on whatever side of the road they wanted, if they turned without using their turn signal, can you imagine? We wouldn't be able to drive. Or not very long. It's the law that gives us the freedom to have this efficient form of of transportation allows us to have jobs and do the many things we like to do. It's the same thing with our faith. We place a high value on a type of freedom in our culture, which I would say the type is a freedom from, which is why we place it on the opposite side of law. If you're free from, then it's basically you don't have to do anything anyone else wants you to do, right? You're free from that. I think in faith, it's, we have a freedom for. So it's not that we have a freedom from having to do anything. We have a freedom to get to do things. So the laws of the road, we have a freedom 
for the sake of being able to drive and survive. And James lifts up that we have a freedom in the law for devotion. And that's what we're going to focus on is we have a choice of devotion we're going to be free for. Number one, we can be devoted to the world, a world in bondage to sin and death. What that means for us is that we can devote ourselves to all the wrong things. So it might be success. You might be devoted to wealth. You might be devoted to sex. You might be devoted to power. You might be devoted to status. Or you might be devoted to being right. Or maybe just as devoted to making sure other people know they're wrong. Amen? This path makes us devoted to ourselves. We become the God. Our perspective. This is about exalting, honoring, and glorifying us or our people, whoever we're in with. And it leads us away from God. We can't have another God. It doesn't work. So people who claim to devotion to God and then don't control their actions according to the way of Jesus Christ mislead themselves. Like a person who claims devotion to God and then doesn't control what they communicate or perpetuate in our world. A person says they're all about the way of Jesus Christ, love, compassion, humility, peace, grace, hope, etc., but then they devote this wonderful gift of communication to spreading lies, rumors, hatred, anger, trying to tear people down. How do you use your God-given gift of communication? What a joy that we can share with each other and connect using voice and words. Quite a miracle. So how do you use it? For spreading the good news? For bashing politicians? For bashing people who wear masks or those who don't? For vaccinating or for bashing those who are vaccinated or those who are not? For furthering divide? Stoking the fear? All these things are worthless. Amen? James says it makes our devotion worthless if we devote ourselves to these things. We're going to mislead ourselves. We might think we're fooling others. We're not. We're just misleading ourselves. So we can be devoted to the world or we can be devoted to God. Pure and faultless devotion, James says, is our goal. Now, understand this isn't learning the Bible. That's not pure and faultless devotion. Not learning with our heads, but putting our faith into action. Caring for the most vulnerable in our world, James lifts up. That's pure and faultless devotion. In his day, it was orphans and widows. Yes, for us as well, but it's also those who maybe don't have an identity, those who are on the margins, those who have been outcast or excluded or forgotten. Learning with our heads, reading Scripture is wonderful. Don't, don't mishear me. It's a wonderful thing. But if you don't put it into action, then it's like forgetting what you looked like. That alone doesn't make you a driver studying the rules of the road. You're only a driver, not, not behind a book, but behind the wheel. You need the book. You need the signs. You need all those things. But it's so that we become doers, caring for the vulnerable and their difficulties working in this way to devote ourselves to God, somehow, at the same time, also keeps us from getting lost in our devotion to the world. They go hand in hand. There's so much arguing today. Amen. You can't even, you can't even drive down the road without seeing billboards about arguing. You can't get on social media. You can't watch television without seeing an ad about arguing. It's everywhere. I'm tired of it. 
Are you all tired of the arguing? Are you tired of arguing yourself? Disagreement, divide. The church, I fear, we've allowed the devotion to the world to enter into the worldwide church sanctuary. We point at words in this great book, the Bible, and we argue about it to the point where we drive each other away. We fixate on being right, getting our own way, being our own God, and it's caused division and harm. Worse, while we're busy doing that, we're not busy in pure and faultless devotion helping those who need help. We're not taking care of the vulnerable because we're too consumed with ourselves. I'm afraid it's gotten so bad that we're starting to contribute to the vulnerability of others. We've forgotten our identity. We've forgotten what we look like in the mirror. We've forgotten about the law of freedom. But the good news is, there's always good news. That's why I love this faith. That's why I love Jesus Christ. There's always good news because Jesus Christ restores you when we repent and turn our devotion back to God. We're not only forgiven, we are restored. We can have a brand new start right here and now. Maybe you've been doing pretty, pretty good, but you know there's areas to grow. And you know it's in there in the relationship with you and God, and it's causing harm. We can change that right now. You can fully devote yourself to God. Here, you can put your weapons down and quit hurting one another and yourself. You can let the argument go. You can. It doesn't need you. You can let it go and quit, quit serving the desire to be right. We can place our feet upon the kingdom of God and nothing else, no other kingdom. We can let our peace come from God and nothing and no one else. We can get in right relationship right here and now, no matter if this is the first time you've ever been to church or it's the 3,000th time. You can be in perfect, right relationship now. And then we can get to studying scripture and then putting it into action. And that's the joy. We can enter into this hurting world right outside these doors and beyond these walls next to your house that you drive, the neighborhood you drive through, wherever you're going in the week. We can allow Christ to bring healing and wholeness through us to the world. And somehow, beautifully, it heals and makes us whole as well. Devote yourselves to God and to God alone, friends, and be set free. Amen? Amen. We thank you for joining us today, and it is our hope that you have experienced the blessing of God through our time together. If you'd like to know more about our church community and its ministries, visit our website at sellersburgumc.com. 